Welcome to Animal Cafe. This is Mary Haight, back with the second and final segment of our interview with Susan Thixton on The Truth About Pet Food. We'll pick up where we left off, talking about ingredients. I was wondering if there were other processes used in making pet food that are harmful to pets' health. Well, there there's many different ingredients. The worst are those ingredients that uh, violate federal law. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to get you those. The, the ingredients, the FDA... Uh, years ago, this has been about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, and this report is still on the FDA website, uh, published a report called Risk of Pentobarbital in Dog Food. Pentobarbital is the drug that is used to euthanize uh, dogs, cats, horses. Uh, The FDA tested dog foods. They didn't bother to test cat foods, just dog foods. They pulled products off of store shelves and lo and behold, they found pentobarbital in finished, retail purchased dog foods in many different brands. And all those pet foods are still list. the list of them is all on the FDA website. Um, they under complaints from uh, pet parents, uh, because of the shock of this, and the media reporting, there was a journalist for the Baltimore City newspaper that uh, did a story on the rendering industry. He published in this article, it's called What's Cooking? And that is still on the Baltimore City paper website as well, too. Van Smith is the journalist's name. He published an article at about the same time a little bit before the FDA study, I do believe, uh, that showed barrels of euthanized dogs and cats a- at the rendering facility and then showed the final product, which one of the final products is the pet food ingredient meat and bone meal. So the FDA uh, found pentobarbital, the euthanizing drug in dog foods. Then they developed a, a test to try to determine the species source of the drug. Where, what animal did this drug come from? They stated that the drug could only come from dogs, euthanized dogs, euthanized cats, or euthanized horses. So they developed this very intricate DNA testing for pet food. They announced that no dog or cat DNA was found. So everybody rest assured All those euthanized dogs and cats that are rendered because they can't be buried in landfills. Most states do not allow a euthanized animal to be buried in landfills Mm -hmm. because wildlife consumes the carcass and dies. The Fish and Wildlife Department put an end to that because eagles were dying. Uh, They made the announcement, don't worry, they're not in, uh, euthanized dogs and cats are not in pet food because we didn't find the DNA. But funny thing is, the FDA said the only three possible sources were dogs, cats, and horses. They found no dog DNA, no cat DNA, no horse DNA. So basically, their tests were useless. Those ingredients, now they did make a link to pet food ingredients that could be of most risk to containing the drug pentobarbital and thus a euthanized animal. The pet food ingredients are meat and bone meal, 
beef and bone meal, animal fat, and animal digest. So those ingredients right there are the top of the list of, of worst of the worst of pet food ingredients. Um, byproduct, byproduct meal. Those are bad. Chemical preservatives, um, they're not too commonly used, but many pet foods uh, still use them. BHA, BHT, and this will be listed on the label. Those are chemical preservatives that are linked to serious illness. Um, gosh, there's so many. I know. <laughs> bad ingredients. <laughs> it kind of boggles the brain. Canola oil. Uh, I've done several articles on canola oil. Um, I know it gets a lot of good press, but there's a lot of bad press out there about canola oil, too. And I urge your listeners to read more about this. Don't just read what the industry is telling you about it. There is some very clear evidence that this is not a safe oil. Uh, carrageenan, C-A-R-R-A-G-E-E-N-A-N, is a gum. It is a seaweed extract, and you'd think that it would be safe, but there are uh, quite a few studies out there that uh, show that it's not as safe as they claim it to be. And I think sometimes uh, with ingredients such as canola oil, uh, when they cook them, uh, it completely changes the chemistry of the oil and yes. cre creates toxics. I, I yes. know some chefs were uh, concerned about this um, issue. It, it could be. I, I don't, I, my little brain is, I have to look things up to know specifically uh, of what the risk was with canola. And I did two articles on it because more and more companies were starting to use it. And I, I almost second-guessed myself and I went back, did more research and found more negative science on it. So it, it's just not something that I personally would ever give my own dogs or cats. Mm. Was, I was uh, going to ask you if you knew anything about the controversy about canned pet food. And since we've been talking, I think perhaps maybe it's the cooking process in the can that some are, are worried about given uh, certain ingredients. Well, BPA is is a concern. Bisphenol A is the mm -hmm. lining of the can. Mm -hmm. the small cans are of the most concern. Um, however, uh, there's a lot of science. Um, the canned foods, the high moisture in canned foods are of great benefit for cats. Cats have a very low thirst drive. You need them to get the added moisture in a can, canned food. Uh, canned foods can vary anywhere from 70 to 85% moisture. So that's a lot of liquid in them, mm -hmm. and they need this. Uh, just make sure to call the manufacturer. You want only the small cans, but there's no guarantee unless you call the manufacturer and ask them if the can lining is BPA-free. Some of the smaller cans are aluminum versus a tin, and there is no seam in them. Thus, there is no need for a BPA lining. And BPA does with the heating process. Most people don't realize that canned foods are cooked in the can. Ingredients are put in raw, and through the canning process, they are cooked in that can. 
it's a very, very exact science. The can has to be filled exactly right. Uh, everything has to be just exactly right. So a, a lot could go wrong, but they are still very important, uh, especially for cats, that added moisture. Okay. Um, and I just, how, how do you answer the industry side argument of, why do you suppose pets live longer now than they did, claiming that it's all about uh, their uh, balanced diets? Well, um, there were some scientists, that uh, zoologists, that uh, looked at the cellular lifespan of many different species of animals. We are all made up of cells. Okay, and our cells are constantly dying and being replaced by new cells. So Mother Nature predetermines exactly how long each cell lives. So these scientists thought this is a great way to scientifically guesstimate the expected lifespan of the animal based on cellular lifespan. What they found was that for a 15-pound cat, based on cellular lifespan, their expected age should be 30 years old. For a 30-pound dog, based on cellular lifespan, their expected age should be 25 years. So when senior foods are promoted when a dog reaches 6 or 7, and they're supposed to live, scientifically, supposed to live to 25, uh, when the rate of cancer is, is skyrocketing in our pets, when kidney disease, diabetes, all these diseases are skyrocketing, I, I, don't, I don't think they have a leg to stand on. I had a pet owner email me earlier this week, uh, this is Monday, so I guess it was on the weekend, uh, emailed me earlier that uh, she, 20 years ago, had a golden retriever. Now, this is a large breed of dog. Uh, today, most would say people would be lucky if if a dog that size would live to be 12. Okay? Yes. And this was was, I don't know, maybe more than 20 years ago, but she did, fed the dog nothing. She got it at five and a half weeks old, she fed it nothing but home-prepared food. The dog lived to be 20 and a half years old. Uh, my grandparents, they used to, their own dogs and cats, they never got uh, uh, anything other than table scraps or prey that the animals caught themselves. The dogs were never sick, uh, and they lived... I, I cannot recollect years. I wish I could. My grandparents are long gone, so I can't ask them. But I know they were way up in the teens. My my grandfather used to raise the beagles, have a litter once every couple of years, and he'd always keep one puppy and name it Buster. And most of the time, there was like old Buster, young Buster, new Buster, and Buster. There was many Busters around because they always lived that long. Hmm. Do you know if there's any published research uh, comparing diets uh, with you know home cooked foods versus commercial foods? No, that that would have to be done by pet owners probably. Mm-hmm. You know, the most unfortunately, most of these studies are funded 
uh, the pet food tent. <laughs> they're not going to, yeah. <laughs> and, and if they've done this study, they're certainly not going to let the results get out. It's buried, yes. Um, okay. Um, in the introduction, I mentioned that you were invited to uh, speak at the Western Veterinary Conference. Uh, how were you received there? This was the, I was invited by the Holistic Veterinary Association of Western University, I forget, School of Health Sciences. Um, the The room was huge. I got a preview of the room before uh, everybody came in, and it was this huge auditorium room. My um, PowerPoint presentation was on two big screens, 15 foot high, or 15 foot long, 8 foot high, and I walked in this room and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> um, she meant to only invite, this is a, a, a higher education school only, there's no undergraduates there, and it is strictly a school, a medical school, veterinarians, uh, future MDs, future dentists, so forth, okay? Mm-hmm. Um she meant to only invite the veterinary students, but instead the email went out to the entire campus. There was probably 250, maybe 300 people there, and you could have heard a pen drop in the room. It was very well received. Uh, they were great, they, and they wanted, uh, they wanted more. They wanted to arrange more. We, haven't, we were going to do Skype conversations to further uh, further their education, um, but we just haven't done that yet. But it was it was very well received. The students wanted this information, not only the veterinary students who are pet owners, but um, there was dental students. Uh, I got testimonials from dental students and and MD students. They were fantastic. They were absolutely fantastic. I'm glad to hear it because it seems to me that it's such a closed uh, community in terms of the pet food companies being in charge of uh, future veterinarians' uh, information. Well, they donate a lot of money to the schools, which is needed. Mm -hmm. You know, I do understand that. But um, it's just time for that to stop. Harvard uh, Medical School... The students protested, I think this was a couple years ago, that the students finally got fed up with the tremendous presence of big pharmaceutical companies on campus, paying for buildings, paying for this and that and so forth. Mm -hmm. And the students finally got fed up and approached Harvard and said, this is a conflict of interest and this needs to stop. And I think Harvard has done, I think, quite a bit to change the, the, the presence of industry at their medical school now. And the same needs to hold true for veterinary schools. Yeah. I, I understand that the schools need money, and I appreciate that, and that the students need all the help they can get in paying for their tuition. Uh, school is very expensive. I have two kids in college, so I do understand that, but... Uh, it is a conflict of interest unless the students are getting both sides of the story. Of all the things you've discovered in your years researching pet food, uh, 
What lines of investigation have given you the most satisfaction? What stands out most in your mind? Oh, I don't know if I have any satisfaction. <laughs> um, I'll tell you, um, it when in uh, April, just last week, there was an event to be held in Chicago that was held in Chicago. It was a pet food industry seminar and workshop or conference and workshop. And several months ago, uh, it was $1,000 to uh, for admission to this event. I had had several uh, quality-minded manu- manufacturers who appreciate truthaboutpetfood.com and the work that the website continues to do recommend to me to you have to go to this event Susan you'll get to meet ingredient suppliers so that I could have met had I been able to attend this meeting this event conference and, and workshop many different manufacturers the decision making of makers of manufacturing uh, I could have seen uh, manufacturing equipment I could have learned more about particular ingredients, why they're used, so forth, and report this information back to pet owners who want to know this stuff. So I asked for a press pass to go to this event. Mm -hmm. I was told no. I was told that um, under respect for the partners in the industry that they didn't want me there. They didn't feel it was appropriate for me to be there. So then I asked if I could purchase the $1,000 admission, and they told me no. And it really bothered me at first, but then I had a friend explain to me, Susan, be happy, because they're afraid of what you're going to find. And... Uh, of anything, I know this is perhaps a little twisted to be proud of, and and please everyone know the truth about pet food is not just me. It is a network of people all over the United States and all over the world, actually, who are working behind the scenes. I'm, I'm just fortunate enough to be the mouthpiece. But there is a, a, many, many people that that this website represents. Um, Yes, you've got about 30 countries helping, don't you? (laughs) This shows, by them not letting us in, this shows that we've gotten to them. You know, this was significant. Mm -hmm. And granted, it, it, it was, would have been much better for pet owners had they let us in. But they fear us which is a good thing they know we're getting smarter and and uh we're not going to stop just because they didn't let us in that event that that didn't mean anything Mm -hmm. we are a determined group when you when you lose a pet because of a food you trusted or when your pet gets sick because of a food you trusted or when you change to a better food and you see these dramatic results, it changes you. You you never 
go back. You never go back. Um, that was a that was a very significant happening when they told us no. That was very significant. It means that that we're somebody now. You're making, <laughs> yes, you're making an impact. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, ethoxyquin really motivated you to start uh, researching food. Yeah, as I understand like it. Dog, I mean, that pet food killed my dog, mm-hmm. and she was my best friend. I, I ran a dog obedience school and boarding kennel and I worked with this dog every day she taught my lessons my obedience classes with me Uh, my children grew up with her she kind of helped them learn how to walk she would stand over next to them when they were crawling and they'd grab a hold of her skin and pull up on her and use her they'd use her as a pillow she was just my best friend and the food I gave her killed her. Dr. Catlett helped me, you know, when I called the pet food company and they told me the shelf life was 25 years, I, I then went back to him and went, okay, you know, anything you can teach me, I am all ears. And yes, ethoxyquin and, and my dog's death started me and it it just continues. I'm I'm my friends, and I do have a few friends that don't even have a dog or a cat, and they give me the five-minute limit. <laughs> I'm totally consumed. I, I don't know how to carry on a conversation without talking about pet food. food. <laughs> and my friends go, Susan, five minutes. You yes, five yes, minutes. yes. <laughs> so I, I try, but it it's it's such uh, an absurd thing that that pet food can violate federal law mm-hmm. that labels can make unqualified claims even with uh, advertising uh, allowances it's it's uh, McDonald's made the claim that their happy meal was the perfect food for children and they're going to grow up completely healthy and <laughs> uh, and the perfect weight and so forth imagine what would happen if McDonald's did that well of course they're not going to do that because they they can't mm-hmm. but pet food can and that's it's just absurd it's just absurd just because it, it creates a market for the industry and because right. nobody's bothered to stop them yeah it's 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 very sad that people love these animals so much and trust the television commercials not knowing that that television commercial can be making direct unqualified claims and that pet food can contain ingredients that could violate federal food safety law. Boggles the brain. Yeah, it really does. Uh, So how did you come to start Truth About Pet Food and when did that happen? Uh, I don't remember exactly when. I think 2004 maybe 2005, mm-hmm. and it was sort of on a nudging from some uh, associates, friends, uh, pushed me into doing it, and I didn't know anything about uh, a website, making a website, but funny how you learn as you go. So <laughs> um, uh, I just started, and uh, now, literally, the website, the, the newsletter on the site is free. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of articles that people can 
uh, educate themselves on pet food uh, on the site. And I have people from all over the world. I've started to to save all the countries where people are subscribing from mm-hmm. because I find it so interesting. It's it's kind of mind-boggling that they find me, you know, mm-hmm. from the world. But the internet is a a wonderful thing. Yes, it is. Um, and and when you get uh, new people in who have not been exposed to this information at all. Uh, what sources do you recommend for corroboration? I know a lot of the things you use are FDA-based, but <laughs> could you tell well, us? Well, I have else? a page set up um, for new people to the site, and uh, there is uh, little images. There's a cat and a dog image, and the little cat has a sign. New to truth, click here. Um, and, and I encourage any new people to the site to begin there. It's a list of um, several articles that's just a good foundation for you to start with. They're background information about particular ingredients, uh, and it's to sign up for the newsletter as well, too, so that they can begin getting recall notices or uh, any type of educational articles that are put out. You've got a new book out. I do. I'm very proud. Uh, The book actually is a compilation of many years of of writing on truth about pet food. So every bit of the book is on the website, but I've had many, many people over the years say that it's confusing and difficult to have to find all of this information because there's so much on the site. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they asked, please put it in a book. So this is the book, so and they, it takes you from FDA and AFCO regulations, uh, in-depth descriptions, and and all of this is verified. I, I uh, give credits for every single bit of information that is in the book. There's a way you can look it up to prove that I'm telling you the truth. Um, it goes through many different pet food ingredients. Talk some on the on the pet food recall of 2007. One of the most important things I think about the book are there's eight, I believe, personal stories from pet owners that have lost a pet due to a pet food, or a pet, you know, is is still ill um, at the hands of of a pet food when when they didn't know the difference. And my hope was that these stories help people to to get this information. It's very difficult to hear that perhaps you're feeding a pet food that violates federal law, that has euthanized animals in it. Uh, it it's hard to wrap your brain around that. And I'm hoping that these stories make that information sink in a little bit more. I, I wanted to include the personal words directly from pet owners of what can happen if you don't learn just a few things. And this isn't rocket science. You know, you don't have to go back to school and get a Ph.D. in nutrition. It's just learning a few things. It's a little time-consuming at the beginning, but it goes pretty quickly. And they can walk into any pet store then being empowered to make much better choices of dog food and cat food for their pets. 
And your book is available at Amazon.com and also for Kindle? It, it will be on Kindle soon. I think within a couple of weeks it will be available on Kindle. Okay. But yes, it's on Amazon. You can just do a, a search for Buyer Beware or for Susan Thixton. Or they can click on the link on my website. What is your web address again and your email in case people want to get in touch? Truthaboutpetfood.com. And there is a contact link on the site. They can contact me through there. Okay, that's great. Well, thank you so much for being with us tonight, Susan. Uh, I very much appreciate all your time. No problem, Mary. Thanks for having me. Many thanks to Susan Thixton for this interview. We'll see her and perhaps you Wednesday night at 9, April 27th at animalcafe.co. Thanks for listening.